Hey, I'm Tim. And I'm Drew. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode 23, we talk to Brandon Steenbach about finding truth in fiction, and we talk about talking about the Avengers. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, Drew. How about yourself? Pretty good. Let's just cut right to the chase here. We're a couple weeks late, but everybody is talking about Avengers Endgame. And so we're just going to talk about people talking about Avengers Endgame. Why, why is everyone doing this, Tim? Well, aside from the fact that it's one of the greatest movie showpieces in the entire history of cinema, <laughs> I... I've noticed a lot of, of people, uh, Christian blogs or lots of different things that they're trying to point out like how there's the savior character and there's the, you know, all these things where they're trying to make it distinctly Christian. When I'm not sure that was the original intent of the of the movie writers or of the original uh, comic creators either. Yeah. And I think, you know, you see this from time to time when a big movie or TV show or something, something that captures the attention of at least a significant portion of the population. It seems like people want to use it for sermon illustrations or uh, blog posts or whatever the case may be. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do that, but it just seems like I've seen so many blog posts like approaching it from a Christian perspective or what should a Christian think about the themes in Endgame and is there a connection to to Christ or is it just, you know, kind of a redemption story, but not exactly, but it just seems, I mean, it makes sense because it's making so much money, but it seems like I've seen way more for this than I've seen for any other piece of pop culture. Right. And I think just the fact, like you said, that it's such a, a, a phenomenon breaking box office records and things like that. People want to get in on the action and say, well, if you're going to do a search about Endgame and maybe, does Endgame have Christian themes? Well, you're going to get a pop, and then maybe they're going to look at your other posts or things like that. But at the same time, you want to be sure that what you're saying is, in fact, valid and true, because it can be dangerous at times to try to say too much when it's not actually written there. Yeah, and again, I want to like be clear. I'm not trying to knock on anybody, any individual who has done this. Pastor Tim did this on Bread for Beggars. He wrote about Avengers Endgame. He actually writes about just about every comic book movie that comes out, and that's just his thing. And so, like, there's nothing wrong with that. I enjoy reading his posts and everything. It's just, if you're doing it, I, I think it needs to be for a specific reason and not just because it's the thing that everybody's talking about. So I'm going to kind of shoehorn my my point or what I want to say into this, even though it doesn't really fit. Yeah. Well, I think that leads us really well into our conversation with Brandon. Um, we're going to be talking with him about finding truth in fiction. Let's get to that interview now. Today, we get to welcome back one of our former guests on the podcast, Brandon Steenbach. Welcome back, Brandon. Hey, guys. Nice to be with you again. Brandon, we wanted to talk with you today about how Christians approach fictional stories and it got me thinking, Solomon once said, there's nothing new under the sun. So how, how would you dissect that phrase when it comes to fiction? Are we just repeating the same stories over and over again? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. So a lot of people will will say that, you know, like any fantasy story nowadays is just like a rehash of Tolkien and 
maybe some other guys, you know, um, stuff like that. You know, they'll say that like science fiction, it's all just sort of copying some of the greats of the, the kind of golden age of science fiction. I think I, if I'm remembering correctly, Tolkien actually had an answer to that issue once where he said something like, it was C.S. Lewis though. I'm not, it was one of those two guys, but they said uh, that really all fiction writing is plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the point that, though that he made it kind of the context was that what we tend to do is we take mythology, we take old stories that we know and we take bits and pieces of them and we sort of find new ways to fashion them together and create a new uh, idea. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think when you look at a lot of a lot of fantasy stories, really, they are taking borrowing ideas from different things and kind of putting them together into a new idea. It's sort of like, I guess it'd be a little bit like a recipe, right? Like, sure. Tim, I know you like to cook, you know, and you might see a recipe and then go, oh, you know, that's pretty cool. But then I also saw this other recipe once, and I'm going to sort of borrow a little bit of the technique from each and try to put something together. So is it new? Well, Maybe, maybe not, but is it still its own thing? Yeah. So how would you say then we as Christians can look to novels and other fictional stories and try to find truth? Well, I guess I would say that, you know, to a certain extent, I mean, every person has a kind of a natural knowledge of God, right? They understand that God exists. And I, I also think that because, because the gospel was such a foundational part of especially Western culture, I think there's kind of a, a natural resonance to the gospel that people, the, the things that the gospel is about, you know, about redemption and about forgiveness and about grace and also about really achieving justice, achieving the, the, the great cause of justice, but in, in, a, in a way that's sort of an unexpected way. All of those things kind of resonate in our culture, and you see that in a lot of stories. So I guess I would say that because of that, a lot of people, even if they're not Christian writers, will have some of those themes in their stories, right? So when you you open up that book, you start reading it, and you realize, oh, hey, you know what? This person's actually striking on something that's very true, even if they themselves don't necessarily know the truth that's behind it. There's still something there, you know? That reminds me of something that we talked to Professor Paustian about a couple weeks ago. You mentioned in communication, one of the things is is in, indirect. It's not always what's stated specifically. So when Jesus told parables, and that was a fictional story. Those weren't real-life scenarios. But he was specifically trying to teach a biblical concept. A lot of these writers aren't trying to teach that. So would you say there's any danger in trying to put meaning where it's not stated outright? I, yeah, I, mean, I think absolutely. And <laughs> I guess if you look at just to take it off the, the subject of maybe books and stories and just put it in the context of like movies, sure. uh, movie as a storytelling. I mean, what's, if you were to think of one genre of movies that is just kind of consistently mediocre, it's Christian movies, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> and I mean, I, I hate to say that, but it's true that Christian movies by and large are just not really that well done. And I, I don't think it, you know, there, there are all kinds of reasons maybe that people could give for that. But I really think that what it comes down to is that too often Christian storytellers are trying to make a point. Right? They, they, they have this idea that they're going to achieve a specific theme or a specific message through their, their story. And in the end, that really just messes up the story. Right? So I think that 
what I prefer is uh, writers who just tell a really good story. One of my favorite newer authors uh, that I've really come to love recently is a guy named Brent Weeks. And he's a Christian, but he does not attempt to tell a Christian message through stories. He just tries to tell a really good story. But as he goes through, there's there, there are elements of his faith that shine through that are uh, very meaningful. And he ends up telling some really important truths, but that just comes through the natural process of telling a good story. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying about how, especially with like a Christian film, it can almost come across pretty heavy-handed that they're really trying to just nail this point home. And in the process, they just make a, a bad story. But I, I do think there's some examples that kind of thread the needle between telling a good story and kind of trying to, to illustrate a truth. The obvious example is something like the Chronicles of Narnia. Do you have any insight into how that is, how that's done, how you can both tell a good story, but still get a, a truth across? Yeah, I think it's interesting that you bring up Narnia because, uh, I, and I would agree with you, Drew, that uh, uh, Narnia, I, I think, does thread the needle really, needle really well. The funny thing is that uh, Tolkien, who was friends with, with C.S. Lewis, he didn't like Narnia. <laughs> he actually thought it was it was too preachy. He, he, he didn't like that, that Lewis was trying too hard to analogize. And so uh, he felt like it, it, it didn't thread the needle very well. And that's just his opinion. You know, obviously, anybody else could have a different opinion about it. But yeah, so how do you approach the concept of storytelling in a way that... that uh, still does bring out some some truth, like be a little bit intentional about that. And I, I think that's part of the process of discovery now. So at, when I write stories, a lot of times I try really hard not to be a, a plotter. Um, I don't know if you know those terms. There's, there's plotters and pantsers. I don't know if you ever heard those terms. But uh, a plotter is somebody who says, okay, I'm going to figure this whole thing out. I'm going to make sure I hit the target at the end. And a pantser is somebody who just sort of says, you know what, I'm just going to picture my character and I'm just going to take them through a scenario and I'm just going to let them react to it and just let the story spin out from there. I'm sort of flying by the seat of his pants. Um, that's where the term comes from. But um, I know I'm, I'm much more of a pantser. <laughs> I just like to just start writing and just see where it goes. I know other guys who are, are not so much, but I, I think that when you allow your characters to be dynamic, when you get, when you really know who they are and let them react in realistic ways to the situation, I think if you've got the truth embedded in your heart, it's just going to come out, right? So uh, if you're a Christian storyteller and you're trying to tell a good story that's going to have some good Christian themes, have a really realistic character in a really realistic situation and have them react exactly how that character is going to react in that situation. In the end, the truth is going to come out of that, you know? So... I think that's that's what you're looking for, and I, I think that when we, you know, when you read a book or you watch a movie that where the, the author or the, the writer or whatever has done that really well, it just comes across as genuine and authentic, and I think that you can see that. Then there's a flip side to this as well. Then there's stories that are are written by non Christians, and I think sometimes just in an effort to kind of seem relevant or whatever the case may be, whether it's for using it as a sermon illustration or writing a blog post or something about that, taking a story by non-Christians and trying to kind of apply Christian truths to it. Do you think that's a good thing? Do you think that's a dangerous thing? Do you think it's just not worthwhile at all? What are your thoughts? Obviously, if yeah, if you, if you try really too hard to sort of 
like mangle the truth into the story, uh, that can it, it can become a little obvious that that's what you're trying to do. And I guess I would try to be careful about that. But at the same time, I guess I'm going to go back to what I said before that I think everybody has that natural knowledge of God, and in a lot of ways, our culture has has kind of at least a, a remnant of of a knowledge of the gospel. Even if even if a person you know doesn't hasn't really heard the story of Jesus, hasn't really heard the gospel um, at some point in their lives. It's just kind of part of the, the bedrock of, of our culture in a lot of ways. And so um, it, there are some themes there that resonate. I've also wondered sometimes if the fact that it resonates really points to the fact that we all really do want redemption. We all really kind of know our need for a savior. And so when a story comes and brings out the idea of salvation or redemption, it, it, it hits home. It says, that's what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? So because that's true, I really think that, I don't know if you can you can go too far in finding that in something. Like if you look at a story written by a non-Christian, uh, there's some truth there. And whether or not they were trying to get at that truth, there's going to be truth there and you're going to find it. Now, you know, do be careful. Yes, don't, don't be like, oh, well, you know, this guy rescued this, this girl from, from uh, some other you know guys who were trying to kidnap her or whatever, that's just like Jesus who rescued us from our <laughs> sins. You know, I, I, when I read that kind of stuff, I'm like, okay, you're, you're forcing it now. You're forcing it now. You know, but to say, hey, you know what? Inside all of us is this knowledge that you know that we need to be rescued. And let me t- show you the greater story. You know that that maybe is an okay thing. Uh, so yeah, there's a line to walk. I guess. You had mentioned before how we all do have this natural knowledge of God that exists within us and, you know, certain things that maybe connect us all. But one of the things that I've noticed is you look at the the histories of a lot of these different cultures and what's passed down by word of mouth. They've taken something that was probably based on real life and almost created these fictitious stories. The flood, for example, this is something that happened. And we actually just talked about this recently, Brandon. We had a conversation. There's this story of Atlantis, for example. That talks about a city going underwater. How, could, like, again, in the same way, how can we kind of pull truth from that? How can we say, you know, maybe the story of Atlantis is actually something based on truth, based on a real life event from history? Yeah, you know, I think you're onto something there because, yeah, you look at at just cultures around the world, and there are some stories that, that end up being in common. And you, know, you mentioned the flood, and it's interesting to me that pretty much every ancient civilization has a flood story. And so it's it's kind of funny in a way because you, you sometimes hear people, especially skeptics and atheists and so on, will will say, oh, well, you know, the Bible was just noticing that a bunch of all these other cultures had these flood stories. And so they kind of told their own and they just sort of embellished it to make it all about God. And so they, it's almost like they're trying to discredit the Bible because of that. But I think that the flip side is actually the truth of it, right? So if every culture has a story about an event, that's kind of a clue that the event happened, right? The only reason everybody tells a story about it, it doesn't matter if the details of the story maybe are different culture to culture, it still means there was something that happened that, that inspired all of those stories. That's a, just a much more natural explanation of the whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, if you look at those, those kind of ancient cultures or even more modern cultures and say, well, they tell the story about this thing, uh, there's, there's got to be a truth behind it. I think it's an interesting thing to me that uh, if you look up, do a little Google search, this is a fun little experiment for the the Japanese word for friend and how you write it down. 
and it looks very similar to a cross and a manger. Now, how did it? How did that come to be? How did somebody come up with the idea that the the the, the word for friend should be almost look like a picture of a cross and a manger? I, I think that probably at some point the gospel made its way there into you know early uh, proto Japanese writing and stuff, and it uh, just kind of came from that. But that's just a guess. But I guess going back to your question, Tim, or your thought there about just the idea that as you look at more ancient stories, myths, and so on, they usually resonate with some of that truth of, of who God is. And at least they, they kind of, the very fact that there are all kinds of mythological stories about gods and about how do we relate, how do human beings relate to the gods, I think just speaks to the fact that we, we know there is one. And it's just about the kind of human desire to understand God and try to reach him or something, or I don't know if that really answered the question. <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. Well, I think one of the things that's important for us to note, though, is that people aren't going to read even the Chronicles of Narnia and say, man, I want to become a Christian now because of this, right? Oh, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think that that's, there, there's a passage in scripture that says that you know, God, God has, has put his imprint in the heart of man. But then it says, so that man would reach out and seek him and find him. And, and the idea being that it's, it's not just that, oh, well, we could just come to the gospel by reading this, or you know, we don't need the actual gospel. We could just hand them a copy of The Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe. You know? But that when people read those things, it tells them there's something bigger. It's, it, it's a story that gives them some meaning. And hopefully that can be a bridge, or, or at least get them thinking, right? Or at least get them receptive to something. But yeah, I mean, in the end... The only way that you're ever going to reach somebody for Jesus is through the story of Jesus. Going back to a couple of things we already talked about. One, that this idea of, of a lot of Christian stories or films being kind of heavy-handed with their themes, but also this idea that like that you as a as a pantser just kind of let your, your faith flow through your characters. If there are any plotters out there listening, how can they approach writing a story without it just being well it's got to be a redemption story because that's you know that's the christian message in a nutshell so how can they communicate christian truths without every story they write just being a, a redemption story in new clothes yeah that's a that's a good question and, and since i'm not a plotter um I, I guess i find it a little bit harder to answer <laughs> just to be honest but maybe maybe if there is a plotter listening they could uh, they could contact you guys and forward their thoughts on to me i'd love to hear them but i guess i would just say you know once again even if you're you're the kind of person who likes to plot everything out you know just try to tell a good story um, that's what it really comes down to and so you know, as you're, you're sort of plotting things out think more in terms of what creates a good story you know there's a, there's a lot of good stuff about kind of there's different different story structures and story themes you know for instance there's the the, the three-act structure which is kind of the common structure for storytelling there's the hero's journey idea uh, there are a lot of different ways you can approach that and they're kind of classic and that maybe goes back to kind of where we started with tim your initial question which is that almost every story you watch or, or read is going to kind of follow one of these classic structures if it's any good if if it doesn't follow one of those structures it usually ends up failing and so it's because those things work so don't be afraid to go back to them. Use those things, right? Say, hey, this is this is kind of how this goes. So the hero story, somebody who starts from nothing and has to sort of go through the process of self-discovery to figure out who he is and then 
he realizes he has a power but of some kind and but that that leads him into struggle and strife and, and he ends up having a crisis and at some point he figures out that being himself is how he achieves that and ultimately achieves redemption for himself or somebody else you know it's a good story on the, and there are a lot of different iterations of it just tell a good story and, and kind of let let the truth that that you know shine through that that's the best yeah, and I like what you said before, how telling the same type of story or one of the same, you know, original iterations or something in a different way is a good thing in the same way as like baking or trying different recipes. Like I can tell you, I like a lot of different people's chocolate chip cookies, but they don't make them the exact same way, but it's still a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Well, Brandon, thanks again so much for joining us on the podcast. It's always great to hear your insights. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I just do want to give a little shout out to, uh, friend of mine her name is uh, hannah schleif and she is i started a new thing called even song baby books where she takes little baby books and she kind of creates them out of out of fabric sews them herself writes the little stories and all that stuff and she's been creating these things for a little while and now she's really starting to ramp up and getting to sell them she's also uh, going to be joining our writing staff at bread for beggars pretty soon here so i'm really excited to see how she's going to be able to add some of the things that a lot of what we've just been talking about today is kind of the subject that she'll be touching on a lot of times when she writes for Bread for Beggars. So check out her, her work at evensongbabybooks.com and then also look for her stuff on uh, Bread for Beggars. Once again, her name is Hannah Schleet, and uh, she's a pretty awesome person. Cool. Thanks for sharing, Brandon. We'll definitely have to check out her work. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. A reminder, register for Hearts and Hands. Now is the time to do it. You can also take advantage of some low-cost lodging if you want to stay in the dorms at St. Croix, but space is limited for those, so register now and reserve your spot in the dorms to do that. Also, for any students listening, make sure you take advantage of our special student rate for the Hearts and Hands workshops. We'd love to see you there. We're excited to see and meet so many of you there. We've met so many new people through this podcast, but we'd like to meet all of the creatives throughout the wells at this workshop if we're able to. If you have more ideas for who we should talk to, like Brandon did with Hannah, we'd love to hear more creatives that we can talk to on the podcast here. Feel free to reach out on social media platforms at Wells Creatives or directly at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com. And we'd love it if you check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcast. There you can get instant access to bonus content and uncut episodes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.